Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. Like, I remember playing with Barbies when I was a kid. I thought they were cool as fuck. Welcome in, all you intellectual idiots, to Libservative. He is Corey Walsh. And he is Dan Griffin. And we are all just trying to get through this together. Maybe that's a great slogan. We're just trying to get through it together. It sounds like a... Sounds like a Joe Biden slogan. Build back better. <laughs> just try to survive. <laughs> That's a good slogan. Just there you go. That's a campaign slogan. Yeah, for just, you. Try, just trying to survive. <laughs> just trying to survive. That, uh, <laughs> what's what's his nuts? Is that the the Tiger King's uh, <laughs> campaign Is that slogan? What he said? I don't remember. No, he probably didn't have one. It was probably something like that. Kill that <laughs> bitch, Carol Baskin. <laughs> that goddamn bitch, Carol Baskin. <laughs> I'm going to look it up, Tiger King's campaign slogan. So what's new, Dan? Oh, man, this new this new COVID miracle drug. We don't have to jump right into that because I kind of got a lot to say <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, well, we got we got a we got a pretty big show ahead of us here because. We're going to spend a lot of time on this new COVID drug. I have so many things to say about it as far as hypocrisies involved, because here's the thing, like whether or not it works honestly, is like the least of my concerns, even though it should be the other way around. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Indigenous Peoples Day. It just passed on Monday, where we've got... Uh, uh, that's going to be our red pill, blue pill for the night. What, what, are, what's, what, what, are the, uh, what are the old school conservatives saying about it, and what are the liberals saying about it? Yeah, then we got uh, How Woke is Too Woke. We got, ah, we got yes. another segment for that one. Love how woke is too woke. I hope that's one of people's favorite segments. I'm Joe Exotic, otherwise known as the Tiger King, the gay gun king, redneck with a mullet. <laughs> that's his campaign that slogan. His, that was it. Remember what? Yeah, this campaign video. That's what he said. I need to watch that again. <laughs> Fucking nut. <laughs> Just smacking tigers with sticks. <laughs> Poor no, tigers. dude. Well, the thing I, I love how we like Tiger King took was a f- phenomenon. Like, it seems like almost two years ago now. Yeah, it's because everyone was locked at home. Do you remember when the when the <laughs> fucking uh, pandemic first started? It was a little exciting. <laughs> everyone's so- like, we're all in this together. You know, everyone's yeah, like, we yeah, get yeah. to stay home. Not anymore. Three weeks soon, everyone's like, fuck. <laughs> do my favorite thing about that show. I don't know why, but I specifically remember this scene. This like he's like trying to film a video, and the tiger like grabs him by the foot. And starts dragging like, I'll him. Shoot your ass! No, and he's like, he's like, God damn it, son of a bitch! And he pulls, <laughs> pulls his gun out and shoots it in the air. And the tiger lets him go. <laughs> Dude, I remember watching that, and then like, was it like the first? I think it was the beginning of like the second episode, and the the chick gets her arm bit off. Yeah, and then there's like. You forget about that by the end of the season because like so much crazier shit happens compared to that. Travis kills himself and the guy that was Joe Exotic's campaign manager just basically was like super nonchalant about it. He was like, yeah, I was there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, watch this. Boom. Just fucking shoots himself in the head. God damn it. What do you say? It's a Ruger. It won't fire if there's no clip in it. What a fucking moron. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? Someone yeah, had... I think that's what he said, which, you know, I like guns. I'm not a super huge gun buff, but I don't know if there's any pistol 
that doesn't fire with no clip. I don't think that's true because I I have my single stack nine is a Ruger EC9S, and it's supposed to, it's actually considered one of the safest handguns out there, just like based on the way the safety works and what have you. And it will definitely fire oh, <laughs> without yeah. a clip in. I haven't yeah. tested it, but I know that it will. Time to go out back yeah, and try I, something. I, got, I know that. I know. Yeah, time to go outside <laughs> in the neighborhood and just test it. Just Where's that cow? Yeah, my uh, my S&P, Smith & Wesson, or M&P, Smith & Wesson, definitely will fire without a, a magazine in it. Well... It's a good thing you're drinking and don't have a gun in front of your court. I do actually. I do have one. I got my. I got my Glock. You got your your, your fake Glock, <laughs> the dummy gun. But you know what's funny is like I'm not even a gun nut. I own one handgun, and people see me pick this up every day, every show, and they probably think I'm like this huge gun nut. <laughs> I know I own more guns than you. You definitely I do, do. Actually, have what I have a couple in reach. What are you drinking? Uh, I am. I am drinking. I am back on the. Third Wind Distilling from Bay City, Michigan. It's uh, I'm just trying to finish this bottle. I didn't go out and get a new one yet. That's fair. Neither did I. But I decided to go fancy again, and I pulled out the Eagle Rare and made myself a nice Michigan Old Fashioned with it. Eagle Rare. Mm-mm. That's some good stuff. I, is it, an old fashioned. Do I do you call it a Michigan old fashioned as well when you put the maraschino cherries in it? Because traditionally an old fashioned does not have maraschino cherries in it, but I have seen it done outside of Michigan. Not gonna lie, I don't really drink old fashions. Oh, you bit. you're missing out. I know. So good. Add a little bit of uh what do you add to it? You add uh the cherries. So a traditional old fashioned vermouth or something <clears throat> like that? No, a traditional old fashioned is bourbon, bitters, and simple syrup with an orange twist. Now, I do it a little bit differently. I do the bourbon, the bitters, <clears throat> and the simple syrup, but I shake it. I put it in the shaker and shake it. Most people take it warm just with ice, but then I, I shake it, and then I put it over ice. Gets it ultra cold, stick the little, okay. stick a couple maraschino cherries in it, and two orange twists. See, I'm... I'm you squeeze, like pop the cherries before you put them in, or are they going... Uh... Nice and tight. I put them on a. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. I do kind of pop just them because so I bad. You're over there popping cherries. I put a. I put a uh, just a wooden toothpick right down the center just to see how much they bleed, and then throw them right in the. <laughs> God damn it! We're getting canceled. <laughs> we're not. We don't have enough clout like Dave Chappelle. We don't got Netflix having our back. That's true. Yeah, now we'll- I know I asked you off the air, but I will ask you again just for the sake. Of the audience. Uh, did you watch the Dave Chappelle? I've not yet. I've not had the opportunity to do so. So we can definitely talk about that. I'm sure more will come out between now and next week because I know Netflix basically just said they're not going to cancel him. Yeah, they're standing behind uh, Dave Chappelle, which I'm, I'm actually applauding. People want, him, for them. people want him canceled because he's funny. That is like... Because he's just speaking his truth. Even as he talks about speaking your own truth, and he's speaking his truth. He's speaking his perspective on the world. That's what made him famous. And now all of a sudden, words hurt people. Yeah. Well, we all know this. And this is coming from a leftist. The left is trying to kill comedy. They want comedy to die because it doesn't fit with their, uh, their, their compliance agenda. 
Yeah, I'm uh, a leftist that won't comply. Does that still make me a leftist? I think it does. Because Jimmy Dore still calls himself a leftist, and he no, definitely no, doesn't uh, comply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's uh, like the reason roundtable is actually in that recent episode they were talking about this how comedy goes through these weird like type of cycles, and like they go through different things and like, what were they saying that uh, that like we're kind of going into a transformation of a different type of form of comedy. And that, uh, like right now, we're seeing like the ends of a certain way comedy is presented, and this and that, and it's going into a new form. Like if you look at comedy from the fifties and the sixties, like uh, like that. What was that one guy's name? I forget his name. But he's like, oh, take my wife, please. You're talking about Ron- like, Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, like that kind of comedy that doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, the like the, the whole the whole what's the deal with airline food jokes? Yeah, those are yeah. What's up with that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or like in the nineties, it was like real slapstick with uh, Leslie Nielsen and the scary movies, and not like scary movies, but the actual movies. And then movie. and then Dane Cook came out and just literally just started yelling, and for some reason, people thought that was fun. I'm sorry, I was never a Dane Cook fan. He just Dude, got in front of a microphone and yelled. It was hilarious, but like now it's it didn't age well. Yeah, it didn't it's dated. Hold on to it. It's not like Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg's comedy is still a fucking classic. Or George Carlin. George Carlin still totally applies all of it. Oh, yep. Oh, fuck. What's his name? Stephen. Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. Yep. Where he's like, anywhere is walking distance if you got the time. <laughs> that type of shit. Like, yeah, it's hilarious. But some st- some shit just falls flat now. Dane Cook did not age well. Do you think comedy is the is is the is going to be the savior away from this overly woke doctrine? Well, it's really interesting because now the two are completely on the opposite ends of the spectrum. As they were, you know, because I think you could consider comedians remarkably liberal even just 10 years ago and some of them still are the problem is they're not comedians anymore like the jimmy kimmels and the late night hosts like there's nothing funny about them there's there's the the whole point of being a comedian is is to be controversial and to make jokes about things that are uncomfortable that's what it's always been well i wish i wish i knew who said it but it was kind of funny actually and they said who knew that in the year 2020 white supremacists and comedians would be banding together to say free speech. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Like, but that's but that's that actually speaks to one of the things that the right does really well and the left really fucking sucks at. And that's that's when whenever somebody makes a statement the left will just sit there and, and attack it, like what happened with Nicki Minaj, like what's happened with Joe Rogan countless times. Now, now probably Dave Chappelle. Like I can, I can almost guarantee you, I haven't watched, but if I went back and I pulled up a clip of Tucker Carlson from like last night or the night before or the night before, he's probably praising Dave Chappelle for one reason or another because that's what the media on the right does really, really well. They take these. The, the, these one-off instances and they say, oh, these people are one of us now. Whether or not those people actually are or agree with that doesn't matter because the only people that watch Fox News are boomers and that's all, that's, that's, they don't even, they don't need to know who the hell Dave Chappelle is. They don't need to have listened to any of Nicki Minaj's music. They right. just, they just want to, oh, hey, look, it's a, hey, look, a black person's on our side now. Look at that. A that's, isn't, person. Diane, isn't that just fantastic that we have a black person on our side now? <laughs> that's what look they do. The, oh, that's absolutely what they do. The left pushes them away and the right 
the right just scoops them up and uses them, and they do a really, really good job of it. And if, if yeah, they, I don't understand how people can't see that that's what's going on. Yeah, and it's not even necessarily these people saying that they're with the right now. It's the right just claiming them as mm-hmm. their, their own little yeah. bastard child because they got uh, alienated by the left, even though they're being alienated temporarily. Yeah, and alienated enough for the right's like, oh, come over here, we love you now, buddy. Well, I don't, I don't know. Joe Rogan might be gone forever. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think they're ever going to let him back in the club. <clears throat> well, I don't, I don't know. Joe Rogan. Oh. There we go. He's playing stuff. He's he's playing the I'm he's playing, playing the playback. Um, you know, yeah, I think Joe Rogan might be gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's too right now? Uh, no, no, no. I just mean as far oh. as like how like the super liberal media views him. I know. Oh, I mean, there's I, no coming back for him. I listen to enough yeah, Joe yeah. Rogan to know that he is certainly not a conservative. Uh, you know, I, I don't know he's that a he's free thinker. Like yeah. if you question any narrative of the left or the right. Then you just become politically homeless. You become, you know, ideologically homeless. You know, like I was just having a conversation with someone earlier and I was talking about how, like, I feel ideologically homeless because I advocate for the vaccine, but I'm 100% against mandates. And it's like you have to be one or the other, you know, and it's just it happens to what seems to be a lot of talking heads out there. That's a perfect segue into the new Merck COVID miracle drug, Corey. Do you know how to pronounce it yet? Um, fuck. Let me see if I can find it. I, I'd have to see it to be able to say it. You got to spell it um, out phonetically for yourself? Yeah, I'm trying to find it now. I'm on Matt Taibbi's uh, article actually talking about it. But it's like, monitor monitor <laughs> I'm going, that's off the top of my head. I can't find it right now. It's molnupiravir. Molnupiravir. Uh, I'm pretty sure i'm pronouncing it correctly uh merck is applying for an emergency youth authorization from the fda for an outpatient oral covid drug called molnupiravir which is shown to help reduce the chances of hospitalization for those who con contract covid 19 in phase three clinical trials researchers found that a person's risk of hospitalization was reduced by 50 percent uh, according to Newsweek, and they probably got this from somebody else. This is just where I pulled it from. Molnupiravir will likely only be available to those that have not yet been hospitalized and are at high risk, at least to start. So already, already. That's fine. That's fine by me because of the fact that that's the whole point, right? We want to avoid people from going to the hospital. For some reason, like Fauci right now talking about people getting sick and stuff like that. Our health system was never there to prevent people from getting sick. It's there to prevent people from dying. We're all going to get sick. We're surrounded by bacteria and viruses everywhere we fucking go. It's about treating sickness. There's no, we're not going to be able to avoid that. And if that's what this drug does, then that's really, really great. I am gonna, I am gonna push back on you a little bit on that because I, I hate when they when they come out and they do like the whole high risk thing. Because here's here's the issue that I have. You you hear a lot of, at least anecdotally, a, a lot of people reporting that they're going to the hospital because they can't fucking breathe, and you're hearing that ER doctors or whomever are are, are sending them home saying oh, your oxygen is really low, but it's not low enough. Come back when you're more closer to being more closer, when you're closer to being dead. The dead. <laughs> I think that has to do with a, uh, and like, and so like, that's something that I think that got lost in the conversation too, over all of this. Uh, that's because of overcrowded hospitals. But 
even before COVID, if you remember, hospitals, like occupancy rate, like when it came to ICUs and stuff like that, was at like 85% pretty consistently, like because yeah. it's based on profit. So they cut out the overhead. There was people that were in our different uh, bureaucratic systems that me and you often hate on. They were actually warning the hospitals, like, hey, listen, we need more space for people in case something happens. You don't know. Something can happen. Hospitals get overwhelmed very, very fast because they're already running at, like, a very high occupancy. But what's silly is, like, why would you – so, okay, so let's say you cannot keep that person in the hospital to treat them, right? They don't need to go to the ICU. They don't need oxygen. They don't need a ventilator. Why in the fuck is an ER doctor not just going? If if, if we have if we're gonna have so much of this drug because we spent so much money on R and D to produce this thing, why wouldn't you just write them a prescription and send them on their goddamn way instead well, of now we can? Yeah, but that's not what that's not what uh, that's not what this is saying. This is saying only super high risk people are oh, gonna get I this. Just saying, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, silly. That's- that makes no sense. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe because availability at first, maybe, I don't know. I know the Biden administration quietly put in a huge fucking order for all this shit. Oh, yeah, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, what I want to discuss is the fact that so much government money was spent on R and don't have a number in front of me. It can be found. Go look for it if you want to find it, or you can just call me, call me, call me out and say I'm bullshitting. I'm totally not. Your tax dollars were the was the money that was put into the R and D to subsidize Merck to come up with this new miracle COVID drug. That was your money that did that. Here's what here's what is going to be controversial, and we might get kicked off of Facebook just for me saying this. Molnupiravir supposedly is supposed to block or, or or inhibit the ability for the virus to replicate. But I haven't been able to find anywhere, and if, if a chemist or somebody out there or a pharmacist can point me to the right paper, I would be happy to read it. But I can't find anything that says the mechanism in which Molnupiravir blocks the virus from being able to replicate. And my little conspiracy theory is, Put on a tinfoil hat, kid. Yeah, this could easily be changed. I am. I, I will be happy to read a paper that 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 tells me exactly how molnupiravir works. Is that it does a similar thing to what ivermectin is sus- suspected of doing, at least, and that is uh, blocking the virus's ability to attach to the ACE2 receptor and blocking the ability for the virus to get into the cell and replicate. I have right. no I have now, I cannot confirm that that's the case. I have nothing in front of me that says that that's the that case. That is a that is a conspiracy rumbling on the right side actually that uh But it is suspicious. Molnupiravir is a uh is a repackaged ivermectin. No, which, I and I can I can confirm that that's not the case because what I was I what I was able to find was the molecular structure of both drugs. They're very yeah. very different. So that's not yeah. what I'm saying. But the function is essentially the same. In theory, yeah. In and, theory. and the reason it upsets me so much is... And you're basing that of what you're saying about ivermectin, not just pulling it off your hat or pulling it out of some fucking welovehorses.com website. No. That's from the National Institute of Health. Yeah, so you can go to the NIH's website. In fact, I'm actually going to put this link in the show notes if, if just to make it easier on folks. And Right next to the link to Reynolds Wrap. 
moderate cer- <laughs> moderate certainty <laughs> evidence finds that large reductions in COVID-19 deaths are possible using ivermectin. Using ivermectin early in the clinical course may reduce numbers progressing to severe disease. The apparent safety and low cost suggests that ivermectin is likely to have a significant impact on the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic globally. That's from the NIH website. That's I, I am looking right now. In fact, you know what? Let me share the screen just so people know I'm not bullshitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do that. That's actually a really, really, really good idea. So, I mean, so if this you look at the NIH website, if you look in the upper left hand corner, it's the U.S. National Library of Medicine, National Institutes of Health. So it's it's basically a, a library for essentially medical papers. Like this is all this is all available. And I'm going to leave right. this link. I'll leave this link in the show notes. I have no problem doing that. But my my whole thing is like. It's not necessarily that I'm one of these these uh, these ivermectin believers, right? I don't I don't know if it works, but what upsets me is that we don't even we haven't even bothered to take the time to see if a generic drug in the United States can help with COVID nineteen. Now, now things have been done globally, and honestly, the data so far from what I've been able to find is pretty mixed. Like I'm not one of these people that thinks everybody needs to go take ivermectin. But what, what upsets me is we go out and we spend all this money and we, we use all this R and D and all this taxpayer dollars to develop this brand new drug that by the way, has been purchased at a, what, what was it? A 400% markup. Yeah. By, Mer- yeah, yeah. by the U S government. Mm-hmm. When we have this generic drug that we didn't even fucking test. I'm sorry. That's fucking bullshit, and that's us licking the boots of Big Pharma once again. Bullshit. I'll let you go, Corey. I just got mad for a second. I need to calm down and take a drink. Yeah, no, and it's... Uh-oh, I got some feedback coming from somewhere. Um, Oh, I think it stopped, actually. Look at that. Well, I didn't hear it, so that's a good sign. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. It's it's not that we're advocating that ivermectin is this cure-all, or that it's going to work, or that it's not. No. I think the sticking point is, is that like in the history of fucking met the whole med- medical industry and doctors and everything, it seems like this is the first time, at least in my life, that doctors are being prohibited from practicing medicine. Like if I'm in, <clears throat> if I'm on the deathbed and like the doctor's like, well, this didn't work and that didn't work. And he wants to just try something because he thinks it's going to work. And it's either the option of that one in a million shot doc or me dying. Then give me the fucking horse. They like can call it, if you want to even call it the fucking horse pace. I don't give a yeah. shit. Give it to me. Rub it all over my face. Like, help me. You think peeing on me is going to save me? Then fucking do it. I don't give a right shit. Right in my mouth. The Right. Like, yeah, it's like. We're prohibiting doctors from just practicing medicine. But then when we turn around, when it comes to the vaccine, we're like, oh, ask your doctor. He'll tell you what's right for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, like it's like, where the, like, which one is it? Like, let these fucking doctors practice medicine. These guys went to school for decades, you know, not decades, but like at least a decade of fucking school to know the human body and the human anatomy and biology and all of this sort of things. That it's like, I think that. We're always saying trust the science. Well, doctors are scientists, essentially. They work with the human body. Not to mention the uh, my my response to that, which is always the phrase or sentence, trust the science, is a fundamentally unscientific statement. 
that's that's <laughs> it's just, just entrenched and shrouded in politics. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. You never trust science. Science is a process designed to prove things wrong. That's what right. it is. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. You come up with a it's hypothesis a and you and you test that hypothesis to the until you can't test it anymore. And then Right. And then it be, yeah. then it becomes theory exactly. and maybe eventually law. Yeah. There are very few exactly. scientific laws. Do you, do you realize that? Yeah. What is it? Gravity, Gravity which is which has even been questioned. Inertia. <laughs> I think that's like I'm not a I'm not a scientist. Ethics? So. No, no, yeah, I don't I don't know, but there aren't that, the law of, the law of inertia, the law of gravity. There aren't that many consensus scientific laws. There are Murphy's law. Yeah, I don't there know you go. that's actually science. <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of theories, and there are billions of hypotheses. Yeah, and that's just it. You know, it's like because you hear these cases, like like Dr. Robert Malone, the guy who actually invented mRNA. He the vaccine, got COVID yeah. in Boston. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he invented the process of like, of uh, using mRNA for a vaccine, and he got smacked with COVID in Boston, like right when it first came out, like when they first their very very first wave. And he used, I think he said a drug called Pepsid, and he immediately said, "I'm not advocating this drug." And me and you aren't advocating any drug either. We're not scientists. Mm-mm. We're not doctors. We don't know shit. Like we, we're literally the same people who say. The vaccine is putting microchips in your arm because we did a couple hours of research. But it's like when there are doctors and there are scientists who want to try these different things, why are we disparaging that? Because Big Pharma has such a big stake in making money on only one way to cure something. Well, and that's that's one of the things that I that I've said forever is like why are we not doing more listening to the people with their boots on the ground? actually yes. treating this virus instead of people in an in an office at at the CDC and the, and the World Health Organization which have already made colossal mistakes regarding this virus they've already lied to us on a couple of occasions and look it's not to say that those are bad people and that they're not trying to do what they think is best but like if you're going to listen to those people why are you not listening to the doctors that are actually on the ground that say things might work? Meanwhile, you're licking the boots of big pharma when, when it comes to, you know, everybody needs to get vaccinated, even though we have more and more data coming out of Israel, coming out of the UK, that, hey, guys, look, and it this is okay. I just, I'm going to look right in the camera and let everybody, like, this is okay. These vaccines... Maybe they work. don't work the way we were promised, though. They work, but they don't work like we were promised. Because why right. would you need a booster? Right. And not only that, how do we know how good they work when they stopped collecting data on <laughs> uh, vaccine breakthroughs in, like, what, May? Who's that? The Oh, just just the CDC in general. Just who was it that stopped collecting data on breakthroughs in America? Yeah, but the more and more the more and more data coming out of Israel, like you know, how they like to say that this is a a a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's just not true. The, right. Like COVID was all but done. There was like three hundred cases a day in Israel. I want to say back in June, and. Because like 90% of the people there had been vaccinated or whatever. And then all of a sudden, more and more breakthrough cases, breakthrough cases, breakthrough cases. And then Israel wanted to go ahead and mandate a third vaccine. The best data is actually coming out of Israel. 
And yeah, that, yeah, they're actually uh, being pretty honest with everything going on when it comes to this. And and now, what's this booster gonna do? I mean, my guess would be it's it's not going to you know make COVID go away. But he, it's gonna be equivalent to the flu shot. Like you have to wait to get a new booster every time, every every year. I don't know something like that. But like. The, the 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 pushing of this vaccine of like everybody needs to get vaccinated and everybody needs to get a booster and you've got FDA officials resigning you've got NIH officials resigning and these people are all urging against a booster shot I don't exactly know why but they are and I can tell you right now definitively and maybe this is going to turn me into an anti-vaxer even though I've been vaccinated I'm not getting a booster I'm just I'm not no. I'm not going to do it. Because I was told that this that this that this this vaccine was going to be good enough. I already had to get two. Now I got to get three. What do I got to get four? What do I got to get five? What do I got to get six? And then we don't necessarily know what this technology actually does to our body in the long term. Like I think that's a fair point to make. I got the first one because I felt like I was doing my part, and obviously I didn't want to get COVID, and I trusted everything. And you know, a lot of things have come out since then. Right, just cautiously questioning things all of a sudden makes you an anti-vaxxer i think that that's bullshit you know what i mean like you can question it like all of a sudden now just questioning the idea of it questioning the idea which i mean even still i advocate for the vaccine the science is still there that when somebody now the longevity of it because of the fact it's only been around for a little bit then uh we don't know because we can't like we literally we just can't we can't know Anyone who says, well, you're good forever, like, obviously that's not true. We already found that out. You can't know. Yeah. We don't know until we get we, there. Yeah, we've already we've already seen that, like, originally when you got the vaccine, it was, oh, yeah, so the spike proteins produced by the uh, the vaccine, they, they, they just stay local right there on your shoulder where you got the injection. That's why it hurts so bad. But now we're finding out that that's not the case. A lot of the spike proteins uh, escape and make their way through your body. I don't know what the hell that's going to do to me in the future. It... I hope it's nothing, and I would even be willing to say it's probably nothing. But you just don't know. Like, when the vaccine first came out, like I said, it's going to be two, one of two things. And I'm really thinking it's still going to be the latter. But so, the first, it's going to be, it's either going to be the commercials, like you see for mesotheliomia, late night on TV <laughs> at like 3 a.m., or it's like, if if you've been exposed to this, you might be entitled to compensation. It's either going to be that, or it's going to be this same sort of science being used to cure things like uh, blindness, sickle cell disease, malaria, you know, AIDS. Like, and I'm hoping for that because it's based on CRISPR, and we've talked about CRISPR before. And it's uh, the science that's used that to initially actually give your RNA, like essentially the wanted poster of the vaccine. So it gives it the genetic code of something so your body knows how to fight it, how to defeat it, and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, lost my train of thought. It's new but, It's uh, new technology. Like, let's stop pretending, yeah, let's stop pretending yeah, like this exactly. thing's been around for forever. Like, the data showed us early on that it worked and, you know, 95% efficacy and all this stuff. Okay, well, it's been, for me, shit, it's been 10 months. I got my second dose in January. I guarantee you. I, I can't guarantee it, but I, I would. I would be if I would be willing to bet that if I went and got my antibodies tested, I would have next to none. Yeah. If if any at all. 
Yeah. It's like that's yeah, not me not getting vaccinated. Based at all. and it's that's that's like wanna... that's based on the data coming out of Israel and out of the UK. Yeah. But meanwhile, you can still get it. Uh Merck gets to patent a new drug. And according to the U.S. Health and Human Services, and that's website, that's the point that actually started this. I really want to drive that point home because yeah. you kind of went on a tangent yeah, 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 about yeah. like our our second guessing. Our tax dollars paid Merck to make this drug, and now they're going to turn around and sell it at like a seven hundred percent markup. Or something without, like by the way, just to remind people, without, by the way, ever no do, proof of it working. No, and not only that, but not even bothering to try and do a clinical trial on a drug that might work, which is ivermectin. Like, just do the trial. And just tell us that it doesn't work. But they don't want to do that. You know why? Because if it does work, nobody makes any money. Because Merck, or because uh, ivermectin is a generic drug that has no patent, so anybody can make it. Anybody can make it. Any doctor can prescribe Follow the it. money. 100%. Follow the money, always man. follow the money. So to your point, Corey, the Merck now, since we didn't test ivermectin, we use... They get we pay for them to develop this drug. Our tax dollars pay for them to to de, to develop this drug, and I actually have the number here. Um, according to U.S. Health and Human Services website, the U.S. government has already arranged to buy 1.7 million courses of molnupiravir from Merck after the FDA gives its emergency use authorization. Merck will be charging upwards of 40 times what it costs to make this drug. And you already paid to have it made. Now you get to, you literally get to buy a drug back that you paid to have made in the first place. That's like, so that's like me like owning Coca-Cola and then just going and buying Coca-Cola. for all the overhead and then making me pay for the product. Yeah, and then going to a store and buying Coca-Cola. Ah, what a fucking, uh... It's an absolute That's joke, definitely. and and we're and we're supposed to trust Big Pharma now. Remember two years ago when like everybody hated as, Big as Pharma we're, as we're suing Big Pharma for the opioid crisis. <laughs> we're supposed to trust Big. Pharma. Now it's like, oh, we have this perfect vaccine, and now we have this perfect yeah. drug. It's like literally, like we're literally suing the Sackler family and uh, what was there Purdue Pharma for pushing a drug on people. <laughs> 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 and now what are we doing? Pushing a drug on people. Well, two of them now, because now suddenly... What could possibly go wrong? Suddenly that dirty liar, Anthony Fauci, is okay with a drug to treat COVID. Yeah. Suddenly. But he also had to make sure to say on CNN yesterday, there's really only one way to ensure that you won't get the virus. You have to get the vaccine. Only the vaccine. Because our numbers, based on studies from five months ago, because that's the most recent one, says say that, that it's the breakthroughs a pan- aren't pan- that bad. Pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's bullshit. It it is, and I and I trusted the virus or the it, virus, the vaccine. It sucks. Yeah, it really does, and I do. It makes me want to uh, pivot into this idea: the fact that we're shitting on this. Like, okay, so the political lobbying 
behind the vaccine right now. I don't want that to take away from the fact that what we that uh, I want to mention that like in America alone, one hundred and forty thousand children have lost parents and are considered orphaned because of COVID. And so, like, COVID is still like a kind of a pretty serious thing. Like, it's still detrimental to a lot of lives. Yeah. At this point, you know what is the saying? Uh, one death is a tragedy. A million is a statistic. A, uh, statistic. And we've gotten so numb to the fact that people are dying and that lives are still being affected by this very, very, like, tragically. And that, like, we've all become so callous to it and based on, we've all been arguing about this and that. And that, like, people are still at home, like, mourning over the loss of people over a disease that, at this point, could possibly be avoidable. We're going on what you could be considered faulty data, because like I mentioned earlier, that we don't even know how many breakthrough cases there are. But right now, it does look like the vaccine is the most effective way. And Well, and I'm glad you tied that in, because I think that actually speaks to why what's going on with the pharmaceutical companies piss- so goddamn frustrating. Yeah, pisses me off so bad. It's like, like do, we, do we want to keep more people alive, or do we want to just give more money to Big Pharma? Because what they're doing... Is there? Give more money to big pharma. They're collecting your money under the guise of saving lives, but and maybe it will. Maybe this drug really will save a lot of lives. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the technology of these vaccines will get better and they'll improve, and that would, that would all be well and good. But do not make the mistake of thinking that they give a shit about you or whether or not you die. If if these things end up they working, got mo- they got your money anyways. They don't give a yeah, fuck. Yeah, if these things end up working, it will be a side effect. It will not be the go- what their original goal was, and that's the fucked up thing. You know, it's kind of funny actually. I want to mention this is uh, we went live uh, thirty seven minutes ago, and. Um, we usually typically get people hopping in in our, <laughs> our feed, and there hasn't been one, I think, that we're kind of secretly being fucking muted by Facebook. Yeah, we probably are. <laughs> yeah, we probably are. Because they do the auto-generated uh, captions, so they know that these words have been mentioned. They're like, oh, yeah. God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 they said Evermectin. We got... <laughs> <laughs> what else we got, Dan? We just fucking beat the shit out of that for about 30 minutes. Hey, man, I was pissed. Uh I'm still pissed. Yeah, it is. It's frustrating. It's just stupid that like science and the medical, you know, practice isn't what it should be right now because money is influencing all of it. Uh, do you want to do the debt crisis be has been avoided for now or do you want to move into something more fun? <laughs> Wait, that is kind of fun. <laughs> the debt crisis has been avoided for now until God knows when. Actually, I, we actually do know it. I think it's December. December. I don't have the date. Right. December third. December third. Yeah. So is when they're going to have another showdown. So the Republicans the finally agreed to, to 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 push the to raise the debt limit until you whatever December whatever. And I, I've basically just come to this conclusion that the debt ceiling is essentially just a, a, a an arbitrary weapon that is just utilized by the minority party against the party in power. Because that's that's what ha- this is what happens every single time this debate comes up. Because everybody knows that if you know we default on this 
arbitrary debt, it's just like defaulting on any other debt. It's going to be a huge fucking problem. But we also know that the U.S. dollar is the federal or the the world reserve currency, and the debt ceiling is an unbelievably arbitrary number. Even if you didn't have the world's reserve currency, so you're always going to find a way around it. But these two asshole parties, they just have to threaten each other with it every single time. They just can't avoid it, can they, Corey? No, <laughs> no, they can't. You know, I'm looking at a. Uh... A New York Times article right now, House approves bill to avert U.S. debt default, sending it to Biden, which I don't even know if he signed yet. I feel like if he did, that'd be like all over news sightings. So I don't know what the hell he's waiting for. The but, last uh, minute, the 11th hour. Hopefully he doesn't have a yeah. stroke at that point. Right when he needs to sign, he has a stroke. We got to like rush Kamala into the Oval Office to make sure <laughs> to make sure we get that signature. Has a stroke. Makes a racial slur and just dies right there on the desk. <laughs> now we're definitely booted from Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so well, it's not me. I said it'd be Biden. But yeah, so the temp- they made a temporary extension because, you know, they can't just fucking get shit done because Republicans are deciding to be shitty and for some reason holding them over a barrel. And it's coming down to what who blinks first. And so... Pelosi actually has an idea that would solve the problem, but it's just another thing that's going to just make less make Congress have to do less work. They're talking about uh, Miss Pelosi floated the prospect on Tuesday of eliminating the perennial partisan stalemates over the debt limit by transferring responsibility for lifting the borrowing cap to the Treasury Department. Oh God! And merely giving Congress the ability to block a proposed increase. So they're now instead of actually even as trivial as it is now, they want to give themselves even less work and go. Well, we'll just let the treasury just raise it whenever, and if uh, and if we decide to not want to do that, we'll just have to take a vote to block it. That squawking bird just needed to go get her hair done. That's all it was. She just needed to get she's the like, hell let out them of there. do it. I want to go get my hair done. Remember when? Remember when she got busted doing her hair, and then she's like, "It was a setup." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she didn't have a mask on in, in San Francisco where she went to a, a salon. Yeah, that's right. She is a representative from Cali, isn't she? Where else would somebody like her be from? New York. I guess that's true. That's fair. But that's it. Portland. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle, maybe. I could see that. Oh, man. But yeah, so we're we're avoiding that for now. Let's find out what happens December 3rd. We avoided bankruptcy. Yay! <laughs> For now. On to the next thing. Red pill versus blue pill, Corey Walsh. All right, so the red pill versus the blue pill. All right, so the red pill is... We're erasing history yet again. Ah, yes, of course. And we're getting rid of Columbus Day and making it indigenous people today. So red pill, blue pill is the argument... Over Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah, and then the uh, the left is Columbus was a murderer and a real piece of shit. <coughs> that's the blue and pill. So we need to. That's the blue pill, and that we shouldn't be celebrating a real piece of shit. <laughs> so I guess I'll let you go first. And we're uh, we're, we're arguing over a fucking bank holiday. 
Just I just want to yeah. just point that out to be number. I don't one. get the fuck. Did you get the day off? I do not get the day off. I didn't get the day off. Uh, so Columbus Day was already meaningless to me. There you so go. That's at, real quick. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about Columbus Day because I don't get the day off. <laughs> <laughs> There's your soundbite for the beginning of the episode. <laughs> well, you well you better well you better say that about Juneteenth too. You better care. You better care. You better care because you get the day off. Uh, no, I never gave a shit. I, like Columbus Day is already a nothing holiday, so like whatever, we'll take it away from them. I'm I'm gonna swallow the blue pill here because it's still gonna be a day. And I guarantee you, in 20 years, people are gonna forget that it was ever Columbus Day, except for like that one like 92 year old boomer that's still alive. That's like, hey, it used to be Columbus. Day. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got is Columbus Day. Don't take it away from me. So sure. I mean, yeah, it's a big fuck you to to Christopher Columbus, which I have no problem with because he really was a piece of shit. And here's the other here's I'll give I'll give it I'll give you this one. Here's a here's the I won't say the number one, but probably the the exclamation point to why I would take Columbus Day away from Christopher Columbus. He never even realized until the day that he died that he had been to America. He died on his... Do you know this? He died on his deathbed thinking he had been to India. He never even yeah. knew he was here. Yeah, it was in like... Yeah, to the point that like when America was named, it wasn't even named after him. It was named after Amerigo Vespucci, who was the one who actually made it to America. And he's like, yeah, this is definitely not Asia. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what he said he's like yeah and he actually ended up in brazil and that's how brazilian ended up with like portuguese language and stuff because like columbus didn't even necessarily land on the mainland i think he like touched uh the shore in venezuela but other than that he was just hanging out on a couple islands out there fucking yeah. around he fucking he fucking lands on the shore and then immediately just started slaughtering people. Like, it was almost immediately. He wrote back saying that, oh, yeah, these people could easily be uh, fucking captured and turned into servants. And, like, they they repeat words really fast. Like, there was a letter that he said. Let me see if I can find that letter. Oh, yeah. Many of the men I've seen uh, have, have seen have scars in their bodies. And when I made signs of them to find out how this happened, they indicated that people from other nearby islands come to San Salvador to capture them. They defend themselves the best they can. I believe that people from the mainland come here to take them as slaves. They ought to make good and skilled servants, for they repeat very quickly whatever we say to them. I think they can very easily be made Christians, for they seem to have no religion. If it pleases our Lord, I will take six of them to your highness when I depart in order that they may learn our language. What an arbitrary number. And then he went on to say, he goes, yeah, he's like, these people have very simple and warlike manners. I could conquer the whole of them with 50 men. And govern them as I pleased. <laughs> so knowing that, so I was listening to uh, Ben Shapiro's podcast. Why? And <laughs> I try to have perspective on everything, Dan. And he made a point. You're indoctrinated. It's not, as, it's not a good point. <laughs> he made <laughs> a point. A point. <laughs> he made a point. It's not a good point. He went on to say that uh, we're constantly, he goes, um, we're constantly doing this thing in the vein, like in... Uh, in the spirit of wokeism that we're erasing our own history on who people are and what's going on. And that Christopher Columbus did open the trade routes that led to, you know, Cuba and Haiti and all those areas that ended up leading us to having what we have now of America. 
and that he was a brave person to cross the ocean to do this in a time of uncertainty when most of the people thought the world was flat. And it's like, sure. Oh, and he said that we can't judge people in the, the, uh, under the microscope of, or like under the, uh, tele- or not the telescope, but under the magnifying glass of today's values of people who were back then, because the theme of back then was just owning people, treating people that we didn't know as lesser than us. Imperialism like was that. really great back then. Yeah, if, depending <laughs> on which side you were on. And, uh, and so he made that point, and it's kind of fair, because it's like, how how far until we get to the point where we start trying to take down statues of Martin Luther King because he wasn't pro-LGBTQ. But it's easy to say that, and like this is one thing that Ben Shapiro likes to do. He likes to bring up points that are true, but they're always shrouded in bias because he also doesn't bring up the fact that even back then, Christopher Columbus was seen as a shitty person, <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that he got brought back from those islands over to fucking... To see the king in chains, dude. He had to go to trial because he was treating people so shitty on those islands. So even back then, people saw him as a piece of shit. He, his, him and his brother both, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, the Spanish crown sent a royal official who arrested Columbus and stripped him of his authority because he was considered the governor of those areas. They took him out of his, like, they dethroned him. He returned (laughs) to Spain and changed the face of royal court. They impeached his ass. They did. They fucking, he had, he never got that. He ended up getting to go on another voyage. He talked his way out of it or whatever. But the guy was such an asshole, even in the times back then, and such a piece of shit that they were like, yeah, you're, like, he was fucking chopping people's hands off. You know, like, he was just, yeah, he was the, the only, garbage. Here's, here's the other thing that I will say about the unbelievably, ridiculously stupid points that Ben Shapiro likes to make. It's like it's like you just said that he does it in, like, this vein of th- this, this bias, right? But he also does it in this vein of, like, history only happens one way, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I, I'll give no you- No perspective give, from the other side. Yeah, I'll give you an exa- a great example that this is something that, that was actually just put in a podcast recently and it's being talked about more and more is like the story of the fucking Alamo. You've heard this, right? Uh, I haven't, but I'm going to put a pin in that really quick because I was wrapping this up to get to my red pill, blue pill. Oh, go ahead. Um, I forgot we were on that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so even in those times, Christopher Columbus was a piece of shit and there's no reason that this should be named after him. So I am, I'm going to give, I think that the story should go to the, uh, the losers in this one and say it's indigenous people's day based on the fact that Christopher Columbus was a piece of shit back then. His, the King saw him for what he was. They all knew he was a piece of shit. There's no reason that he should. And like, what did he even do? He wasn't even the first one here in America. He didn't discover America. The Vikings were here. (laughs) Lee Ferrickson day. Why don't we make Lee Ferrickson day a bigger day? You know what I mean? If we want to be real about history and follow the history, then what better way for these fucking people that are grasping, that are clutching their pearls, you know, over this shit? If they want some, if they want some white hero, then do Lee Ferrickson. How more white are you going to get than a Norse Viking? That's about as white as it gets. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, kick rocks, dude. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. 
Ben Shapiro, not like our listeners, because some of our listeners might like Columbus Day, and you can call it whatever the fuck you want. Like I said, I don't give a shit. I don't get the day off anyway. I would actually love to debate with him uh, on the on the whole Alamo thing. Okay, yeah. So yeah. So the, uh, I'm blue pilled this time. Yeah, so am I. So I'll we, just wrap that up. The, yeah, we've agreed. J- just real quickly, just just to shit on Ben Shapiro a little bit more, because I, I would love to have <laughs> I would love to ha- I would love to have this debate with him about the Alamo, right? Because like the whole narrative behind that is changing because you're getting a lot more Mexican history coming out. And like the way the way like Santa Ana and the and the Mexicans viewed the Alamo and and the, the entire Texas Mexican War was well, at like, that time it was technically technically Mexican land, wasn't it? That's the thing. Like we fucking stole their land again. And like like Santa Ana is painted as like this horrible evil general, this horrible evil Mexican general that was trying to to steal Texas away from the actual Texans, and it's like, no, you, you fucking, you fucking took his land. He was pissed. He wanted it back. Like I don't, yeah. Like th- that would blow. Like if if you could get actual, because like you know how like a lot of Texans identify themselves by that kind of shit, like uh, the Alamo or whatever. It's like, mm, okay, that well maybe that's not exactly what happened. Like like I'm sure Davy Crockett. It's a heroic wasn't, story in a Hollywood movie, sure. But the history doesn't look kindly on it when you look at it in the perspective of both sides. Yeah, like I'm sure Davy Crockett wasn't an asshole. Like I'm sure he thought he was on the right side. Like everybody thinks they're on the right side, but like looking back at it, hindsight being 2020, it it kind of looks like the Texans were the assholes. But you know, I won't go to Texas and say that because I'll probably die. You'd probably be murdered <laughs> as they're yelling, "Remember the Alamo." Right. <laughs> Uh, <coughs> how woke is too woke, Corey? To. I think that's Ooh. the last thing we have, and then we can get to monologues. How about how about how actually? Wait, did I talk about the the? Uh, oh, I did. I didn't talk about uh the European courts that the Vatican protects pedos. I want to touch base on that. Oh, the European courts, yeah, because we all knew the Vatican protected pedos, but now we actually have like legitimate law. We have, we have document documentation now. Yeah, so. Uh-oh. Here, one second. Boom, boom. All right, I just wanted to pull up the link. So, to, all you, um, to all you Catholics out there, this might be where you want to turn the show off. Yeah. So, France24.com is uh, just a news site, I believe, over in France, assuming. By the I would name. assume so. That know. would be a great guess. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. Um, EU rights court rejects sex abuse case against the Vatican and cites the immunity of sovereign states. So, the Vatican is above reproach uh, from any sort of legal jurisdiction. Because it's technically its own country. Because it's technically its own country. Um, It's called the Hope Sea, I think that's what it's called. I'm looking for the word. I don't know, you're the one that, yeah, the Holy Sea, S-E-E. But a Belgian rec- Belgian's recognition of the Holy See as a foreign sovereign with the same rights and obligations as a state was conclusively established. The ECHR, which stands for the European Court of Human Rights, the European Court of Human Rights on Tuesday, rejected <laughs> a case by alleged victims of sexual abuse by Catholic priests who sought to hold the Vatican responsible, saying the Holy See benefited from legal immunity granted to sovereign states. And so... Uh, 216,000 abused minors, Dan. Not just one, not just two. 216 children abused by clergy in the Catholic religion 
since 1950. And so, they, people are, so advocates have demanded reparations and, uh, and, and prosecutions, and the European Court of Human Rights said no, that they can't, that the Vatican's its own sovereign state. So, I mean, what do you think about that? I guess, I, I guess, I mean, it sucks, but like, I guess I'm not surprised by it, uh, just because of, you know, all of the stories that I've heard over the years of n- nothing personally, like, because I actually did grow up in the Catholic Church. I luckily don't, at least not that I know of. I don't know anybody that was abused by clergy, but maybe you, you know you hear you hear you hear all these stories of you know these priests that are. They get busted, and then they just oh, we'll just they just relocate them. They just send them somewhere else. They send them to you know Oregon or or Baltimore or or wherever, and just just move them, just move them to. Now I will say this: my my priest uh, did just all of a sudden leave one day and went to a new church somewhere else without any warning well, or anything on, uh, like that. Yeah, that sounds off awfully <laughs> a lot like the the protocol. Yeah. Damn, dude, that's so fucked up. Brush it under the yeah, rug. The and Archbishop has rejected the commission's recommendation to require peace, priests to inform police of any child abuse cases learned about during the sacrament of confession. So it's like, why well, was between him and God? What do you want? <laughs> hey, I'm Italian. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, right? School, he claimed the secrecy school. of confession was above the laws of the Republic, even though French law specifically says professional secrecy privileges do not apply to cases involving violence against minors. But yeah, so... Could they get him for war crimes? No, I guess that wouldn't technically no, be a war crime. No, I, they can do whatever the fuck he wants, apparently. that The church <laughs> just has no accountability. They don't pay taxes, they have no accountability. And 216,000 children have lives have just been fucked with because of it. That's not very woke. And then the church wonders why their numbers are dwindling. I don't understand. It's these goddamn liberals. <laughs> it's this wokeism. There's less people in the church. The churches are getting smaller. It's like, no, because you're not holding your fucking selves accountable. That's why. You're supposed to be of a higher moral standard. That's what you preach against us fucking heathens. <laughs> when you're out there diddling kids. Generally, the uh, Catholic religion doesn't bother me as me- as much as many other Christian denominations. Like, I'm talking about the... Jehovah's Witnesses, like, do the same shit. Yeah, I'm talking Scientology. I'm I'm talking about the parishioners. I'm not necessarily... Like, the clergy, obviously, is horrible, but, like, the parishioners don't bother me quite as badly. And it's not just them, either. Prince Charles, uh, there's photos of Prince Charles with uh, Virginia Guthrie, or Guthrie. Charles or Andrew? Prince Andrew, sorry. I keep saying Charles. (laughs) I have, uh, uh... Prince Andrew, not Prince Charles, not to be confused with <laughs> Prince Charles. With his eldest brother, the heir to the throne. Yep. Prince Andrew, UK police are taking no further action against Prince Andrew after reviewing Virginia Guthrie's evidence. And it's literally a photo of them two together when she was a minor. <laughs> and she claims that she was sex trafficked to him. Sex trafficked to him by no other than Ghislaine Maxwell, a close friend of the disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein. So right now I'm on CBSNews.com, and I'm just looking at this photo, and it's literally her, Prince Andrew, 
and Ghislaine Maxwell <laughs> all in a photo together, and he has his arm wrapped around her so goddamn tight. And she was only 17 years old. You know, the one, you know, Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know if you remember him. The one that uh, got Jeffrey Epstein, the one that committed suicide. Ah, uh, yeah, suicide that Suicide watch in a cell. But you know what? It's a shame what happened conspiracy. to him. I'm going to say that, that's, that he didn't do that. And the reason why I say that now, and I think it's more solidified, is the fact that Trump has no qualms with killing his friends and killing people that he wants, like, based on his idea of trying to kill... Julian Assange, who he praised publicly when Julian Assange put out paperwork or released the emails with WikiLeaks against Hillary Clinton that made her look bad. And he was like, WikiLeaks, if you're listening, hack those emails and get them out. We know you got them and this and that. And all of a sudden, Jeffrey Epstein dies in prison when he's president. Eh. (laughs) I don't know. We I all know, that, like, uh, that's one of those, that's mathematically that conspiracy theory makes sense. It's, it's like just, Gary just, Webb. Just, just do the math. Committed suicide with two shots to the head. Yeah. Well, you know, apparently. He's, so the one did... that ex- he's the one that exposed the off-reb and the way that uh, he exposed the uh, the drug trafficking that, that money was used to help. Because it was uh, off the books. It was, uh, was it the, uh, I forget what it was called, Operation Fast and Furious. When the FBI, which or the CIA was bringing drugs to America to sell them so they can make a revenue that was off the books to pay for guns for a, a, uh, for rebels. And I think Nicaragua, <laughs> like, and it helped, it helped, uh, start the whole fucking, uh, crack epidemic. Yeah. No big deal. Which, which, which was a, a basically just a, uh, an epidemic based on race. <laughs> right. That's essentially as evidenced by how we treated the opioid epidemic where all of a sudden, well, it's an addiction. We need oh, to help yeah, these people. Cause it's all white people. Right. Oh, and then the Sackler family, another just group of elites. Yeah. Uh, just are getting away with starting another epidemic of opioids. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. That, what a good segue. That was a nice little segue. All those three segued into each other so well. <laughs> I think we're, we're running short on time, Corey. Oh, we had a how woke is too woke. Yeah. Do we want to we do that? We can save real quick? that one for next week. That's a good one. We can save it for next week if you want. I suppose we could do that. I'm going right. to save it in my notes. We're going to get to the monologues. If you're watching on Facebook, we appreciate you joining us. If you want to see my monologue, Corey's monologue, please download the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just search Libservative. We We're are on all there. of your favorite podcast that platforms. Uh, like, follow, and share. We are on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram uh, at Libservative Pod for all for both of those. Facebook is just at Libservative. Uh, our WordPress, we have transcripts for all of our monologues on WordPress at Libservative Pod um, or Libservative Podcast, I believe. WordPress.com slash yeah. You got it. <laughs> you yeah. need to put it like out in front of you on like a like a marquee. I'm about to <laughs> WordPress.com. I'm going to find the link really, really, really fast. I know I did this last week. The WordPress is still new for us. So cut me some slack, Jack. Nope. Libservativepodcast.wordpress.com. That's what it is. That's what it is. We'll say goodbye so, yeah. to and the then normies. just tell a friend. I don't expect you to share a post to a bunch of people who aren't even going to pay attention anyways. Just, you know, everybody knows someone who would be interested in the same things you are. And if you like the show, share it with a friend. We'll give you a shout out if you let us know. To all the normies, we bid you good evening and good night and get the fuck out of here.
All right, the normies are gone, Corey Walsh. What are you looking at for your monologue tonight? All right. So I recently saw a Twitter post by Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, that blowhard. And she so looks a it lot got like, real She looks up. a lot like Mickey Rourke. <laughs> With blonde hair and long hair. Yeah, like you Mickey blonde Rourke. Hair, long hair. Mickey Rourke from the wrestler. You see that movie? <laughs> no. You haven't seen the wrestler? Oh man, you no. gotta go. That's a classic from like twenty eleven. You gotta go back and check that one out. All right. So I will start. I don't have a title for this one yet, but I saw her post this thing on Twitter and it was just like, you are such just a piece of shit. (laughs) All right. I will throw away my shot is what Alexander Hamilton told his confidant before his duel with Aaron Burr. Burr, however, had different intentions with his shot leading to Hamilton's death. After a long run in tumultuous relationships of being bitter political rivals, Shit-talking by Hamilton at a dinner party while enjoying drinks was the straw that broke the camel's back. Side note, Burr wouldn't even have known if it wasn't for the loudmouth Dr. Charles D. Cooper flapping his gums in the local paper stating Hamilton called Burr a dangerous man and other unmentionals. But I digress. Burr was pissed, and with a withering political career, he thought a duel with Hamilton would somehow rejuvenate that dream, which, by the way, did not work. Burr shot Hamilton, killing him at the same spot Hamilton's son died in a duel three years earlier. It's just shit luck, I suppose. If they break this union, they will break my heart, were the last words uttered as he died. Hamilton. Or last words uttered by Hamilton as he died. Not fuck Burr or disparaging some political party he, lo- party. he loved this country. There was no political partisanship, just love of country. Hamilton was right, by the way. Burr was a dangerous man and lived the rest of his life in shame after fleeing, helping to plan an attempt to establish an independent government in an invasion of Mexico, and possibly being involved in a plot for a West secession. Burr died being a man accused of murder and treason, and that is definitely not how I'd want to be remembered. I give these stories for the sake of context. Context that is there that helped build a foundation for a country that, even with its blatant flaws, is as great as ours. People who served this country and helped create it truly put the idea of America above self. People who, when literally killed, not just called a name on Twitter, but killed in a duel by a political opponent, their last words are, if his last words were, if they break this union, they will break my heart. True leaders that would probably vomit at the sight of what they built becoming so bastardized. So that is why I get so pissed at the complete disregard at what this country stands for and ridiculous hyper-partisan hyper-pandering tweets that are so absurd that it could have only been concocted by someone with the IQ equivalent to the average score the Lions have put on the board in the last 10 years. Fact check me please, but it's something around 22 or 23. None other than Marjorie Taylor Greene recently shared a poll on Twitter asking if America should have a divorce. This clown has three options for the poll as yes, by R&D states, no, stay together, or undecided. Green has to be denser than the lead water pipes in Flint, Michigan, just to trivialize the fact that our country is tearing itself apart at the seams over hyperpartisanship, a culture war, economic uncertainty, and a politicized virus that has killed more than the 1918 Spanish flu. 
All for the sake of pandering and some likes on Twitter, this weird crusade fueled by conspiracy theories, identity politics, and ill-contrived attempts at patriotism, all coupled with the lack of cognitive ability, instead of being a leader in America advocating for unity in times of such uncertainty, Green bathes in a cesspool of nearsighted hatred of characters of some boogeyman. Demons with opposing views she's concocted in her compartmentalized mind where she sees the world in such an ass-backwards way that she parrots the talking points of Q at an uncomfortable rate. People like this don't belong in our government buildings that stand as beacons of freedom. If they break this union, they will break my heart, were the dying words of an American leader. Now these leaders post bullshit polls on Twitter asking if we should have a divorce based on political parties. When did we as Americans abandon the idea of America itself? How did we as Americans get duped into this duopoly of a government that has turned us inside out and tricked us out? James Madison's Federalist Papers No. 10 warned against, warns against this very thing, and if you take anything away from this, it is to read those papers, reflect, and realize that America needs an awakening. Dude, when I saw that poll, I even tweeted from our whole conservative page, where it's like, what the fuck is the matter with you? I didn't say it like that, like I tried to be a little bit professional. But it's, I was like, what kind of shit is this? Like, it, it pissed me off. Like, you're supposed to be a leader. Like, people look up to you to be a representative for them for the country of America. Not just red states or blue states. And it's just like, it just goes to show again that just, she's just a, a straight up jackass. Well, the, the thing that's interesting is like, that question and that poll could have actually been used in a good way to prove a point. The problem is... Marjorie Taylor Greene ain't that person to ask that she question was, yeah. and give that you poll know, to prove a point. It wasn't in good faith. No, yeah, good 100%. Faith. No. Red and blue states. Yeah, fuck you. Kick rocks. You know, it's like, it, that's exa- she was exactly doing it just, just for, the, she wasn't doing it because she was like, I wonder what the people think. Let me see what I can do to help alleviate these problems. She just wanted the likes on the Twitter and to kick up shit and she got exactly what she wanted from me and for me to just, re- just solidify the proof that she is just a fucking wet fart in a hot tub. No, and yeah, and, and these are and these <laughs> and these and these are the people that represent you. You know, a what wet I mean? fart on the nude beach. Yep. Like so, when you sit there and you wonder why is that person always so mad at me all the time for my political views? Because your leaders are doing this bullshit. That's why. Yeah, yeah. That gets what this Pull does. Back this for just, a minute. This just stokes the fire of this tumultuous time in America that we're in right now that is just hyper-partisan and just, like like I said in, the, in my monologue, we're, we're tearing each other at the, apart at the seams over bullshit when we're all take away the identity politics, take away fucking loud mouths like her, and we all just want to be able to take care of our family, build a dream, and do what we can to make it so, make it so our kids below us have a better life than we do and thrive. Kick back with the boys in the weekend and it's, be able to have a loot in our have some loot in our pockets. It's so much easier to get mad, Bob. Oh God, yeah, Bob. I can't believe Susan next door is so mad at us for getting vaccinated. What's going on in this country today? Yeah, because you got dumbasses like Marjorie Taylor Greene and they're being a fucking blowhard, hyper <laughs> hyper partisan hack. God, yeah, she got me fired up. <laughs> You're mad all over again. Oh yeah, like yesterday I was sitting there. I'm over. There, I'm just at my grill. I'm making salmon, and like I'm just tweeting out and doing a couple of things, trying to keep us relevant, you know. And uh, 
like I'm on uh, Twitter just responding to things and stuff, still not knowing what my monologue is going to be about. And then I saw this poll, and immediately I just I felt myself get warm. I was like, "You dumb bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I hate Ugh. everything you represent, but well, everything. Done. She's so stupid. God, she's dumb. <laughs> I hate her. God damn jackass. <laughs> God damn jackass. Listen, I gotta give it a clue here. I don't want any more yelling. I get any more yelling, then the shit is gonna hit the fan. I think my uh, my monologue might get me canceled. Huh. <laughs> or you just look I saw you look around a little bit you're looking for the uh, the drones the looking drone for strike. the camera <laughs> the drone strike good thing we're not on Facebook <laughs> anyway California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a mandate into law that requires big box stores to have a toy aisle that carries gender neutral toys now it does not ban sections marketed at girls or boys so don't flip out about that point All retailers with over 500 employees will be required to have this segregated aisle or face fines. The fact that the new law is not only tedious, stupid, and an utter waste of government time and money is only one reason I've, excuse me, I've given it so much thought over the past few days. As is the fact that enforcement of such a piece of shit legislation will be a continuous drain on taxpayers of the state of California. But more importantly, it's about the idea behind the law. Cultural compliance in an effort to perpetuate a culture war that's killing us all. I, for one, couldn't possibly give a wet fart what toy any child of any gender chooses to play with at any time, including my own, if I had children. However, for the sake of compliance and indoctrination, I'm told I'm supposed to care about these things, or I'm a transphobe, a bigot, and a perpetuator of the toxic patriarchy. To that I say, with gusto, fuck off. In any other era of American life, regarding any sort of cultural compliance that didn't openly suppress the rights of individuals or groups, we have always fought against this sort of forced cultural compliance, especially as liberals. We've all heard over the years cases of Christian groups trying to force religion into our public schools. We as liberals said, fuck you. For decades, a very successful attempt was made to drive society away from marijuana because the doctrine said that it was bad for you and a gateway drug. We as liberals said, fuck you. Some of you may even remember learning about a time in the 1920s where alcohol was made illegal for nearly a decade. We liberals drank booze illegally and said, fuck you. There was a time where black people were considered subhuman and even enslaved in our country, It took way too long, but eventually we liberals said, you guessed it, fuck you. Is a mandated gender-neutral toy aisle going to affect me personally in any way? No. Does it even make me mad? Not really. I don't really have time to get angry about such things. I personally believe that all toys are fundamentally gender-neutral. They are playthings designed to invoke imagination in children. 
But I would urge you to understand what this law really is. It's just another way to virtue signal to a group of people that California is quote-unquote woke. And I hate even using that word. But in this context, it fits. It's a way to distract you from the more serious issues at hand. It's a complete distraction. Either you love it or you hate it. You're going to comply or you're not. And either way, you're going to get on social media and argue with someone on the other side about it, and neither of you is going to win. The law is just another small step in creating discontentment among two sides of a culture war and an attempt to force compliance. It's not about gender rights, whatever that even means, and it's most importantly not about making life better for children. It's about adults acting like children. I'm not a Christian. Does that mean I hate Christians? People have also told me at points in my life that I'm a bad person because I'm not a Christian. I'm not a conservative. I've been told that I'm an idiot and a Marxist simply for not being conservative. Without even mentioning being a liberal, I'm already a Marxist. Are these things true about me? If they are, I haven't seen any hard evidence to to suggest that these things are facts. Fighting against indoctrination of any kind has been an American and an especially a liberal virtue throughout our history. So when I'm told that I'm a bigot or that I hate trans people because I'm not willing to fall in line with woke doctrine, because I refuse to take a hardline stance on, a, on ridiculous culture war that is eating our society from the inside, I have a problem with that. You have the right to be trans or support the fight against trans hate and bigotry. In fact, I'm on board. I'm actually right there with you. When you turn it into doctrine and some sort of quasi-religious movement that's now making laws and attempts to force me to attempts, attempts to force me to comply or quote unquote pick a side or I'm a bad guy in a cultural dispute that doesn't really have that much to do with trans rights to begin with, just so you can look at me and say, gotcha, you hateful piece of shit. I say gently to you this time, fuck you. For the record, I wrote this monologue in the first person to personalize it for you, the listener slash reader, to push forward the notion that we all have the ability to think and attempt to parse out complex and nuanced issues and systems, that we don't have to rinse and repeat the same talking points spoon-fed to us by our cultural silos. Let's make thinking sexy again, Corey. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost like it's like done at a point just to be a distraction because like, let's really think about it. Like, there's a historic drought. And I know we've been talking about a historic drought in California, you know, for decades at this point. On and off, it gets a little worse, gets a little better. But like the Colorado River is like drying up. You got a shit ton of the place on fire. You got this bottleneck of these ships and a holding pattern and just out in the middle of the ocean because we don't have enough port workers or enough truck drivers or dock workers or people to get the ships in and off the ports to get products to the American people. You have a housing crisis that's separate from the homeless crisis. You have a working poor of people who just can't afford to live somewhere because the housing crisis is so overpriced that they can't get a house. And then on top of that, you got a homeless crisis. 
where there's just homeless people all over the place. There's literal shit in the street. I love California. I would never move there. I've been there. Great fucking time. You know, like it's, there's not very many places you can go in the world where you can literally be in Tokyo town, hop in an Uber, drive five minutes, then be in Mexican town, hop in a car in an Uber, and then be in Korean town, and then be in Chinatown, and then be all over the, all over the, okay, and, and this is all within, you know, 10, 15 square miles of each other, you know? Or, it's, or a place where you can go to surf and snowboard in the same weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's a cool place, but they have a lot of problems. And making toys gender neutral isn't fucking solving those problems. It's a distraction. Is making toys gender neutral going to affect the suicide rate for the trans community? Is it going to lower... Uh, crime against the lgbtq community of like hate crimes is it going to end any of the disparities that these people see who just are trying to live their fucking lives it's a distraction and at best i didn't even mention this in the monologue but at best it's a gesture it's like it's 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 the equivalent of joe biden saying i do all of these great things for the black community come to find out all he's done is gave is gave him juneteenth thanks joe and locked a bunch of them up yeah that (laughs) that too Oh, here's a holiday for you. Enjoy. Yeah. Here, here's an aisle of toys for you. Yeah, and it's meanwhile, like, Gonzalez versus Castle Rock is still a precedent. Graham versus Connor is still a precedent. Which I don't know if you know those. Uh, have you ever heard those court cases? So I have, and I'm I'm I, I'm struggling to remember what they are. So Gonzalez versus Castle Rock was literally a court case that said that police don't have to legally intervene in a thing without unless like they get like verbal consent or something like that. So like in like there's a story like in New York, these cops were in the there was two cops on the train. They were in the in like the captain like in the driver's like room or whatever, and this guy just started stabbing someone on the train, and they didn't do shit. And the reason why they and they didn't and they got away with it. The cops did. They were it was okay that they didn't do shit because of the fact that based on the precedence of Gonzalez versus Castle Rock, which is a story of this woman. Her name is oh, I forget her first name, but it was versus the city of Castle Rock, and she had a she had a police uh, a a police protection order against against another person like to keep them away from them like a no uh, interaction thing. I forget what it's called exactly. Restraining order? A restraining order. Yes, thank you. She had a restraining order against her ex-husband, and uh, he kept harassing her, and the cops didn't do anything. And I forget what happened. I don't think she got killed because she had to do a court date, but the guy, like, like seriously, like, fucked her up and her kids up or something. And the ruling in the court case was, well, the police don't have, to le- don't have a legal binding to protect you without verbal consent. So police don't have to do their job based on Gonzalez versus Castle Rock. And then there's the one of Graham versus Connor, which is the police are protected by. So in Graham versus Connor, this guy, he had diabetes. He went into a, like him and his buddy, like he was feeling sick. So they ran into a store. He ran in and bought, he went to buy some orange juice, forgot his wallet. So he ran out and hopped in the car. They were going to, his buddy was just going to drive him home so he can get some medicine so he didn't die, essentially. Have you ever seen anyone that, that has a low blood sugar and diabetes? They're dis disoriented they seem a little drunk they're out of it they don't really take commands well cops pull him over end up beating the shit out of this guy and he wasn't drunk and he wasn't uh resisting arrest he just didn't know what the fuck was going on because his blood sugar was so low and because of that court case that 
it's almost like what helped solidify qualified immunity that police are allowed to do any action that they want as long as they feel that their life was threatened and it was justified in that moment. And that was really good on that. So police can beat the shit out of you as long as they think they're threatened. And police don't have to do shit. Sounds like they can overreact and they can underreact. You know, you know what's funny is like, I, I, I actually, I have a buddy, he's now a, a homicide detective in Detroit, but he obviously got his start as, you know, just a, a street cop. He always used to make that uh, that defense to me, and I never I never agreed with it. You know, because they oh, always say, the you know, they all, force thing. No, no, no. He always used to, he always he always used to say, well, because according to that precedent, a cop can do what he needs to do if he feels threatened. Well, according to my buddy, as a police officer, he said he always felt threatened. So, or he always assumed he was threatened, right? You know. Like you, you can never have your guard down when you pull somebody over for a traffic stop, and and I understand that. I understand never having your guard down, but like, do you do you really feel threatened? Like, I think those are two different things, right? And just even to add more perspective to it, and the fact that like I try to be unbiased, like just today in Clawson, in Clawson, Michigan, good old Clawson. That's my hometown. I, was, I grew up yep, there. I was leaving Arby's and uh, right at fifteen and living on which. Doesn't mean shit to anyone really listening except for you because you understand where I'm at. Uh-huh. I was going down a street. There's a side street that you can hop off of. Uh, and like, instead of making that bullshit left turn, because that left turn signal there is such trash, I cut through the neighborhood, snake through, and I can pull right out to where I work and just cross 15. And I'm in the little industrial complex. There's a stop sign at this four way intersection, four way stop sign. And I literally just blew the stop sign. I was turning right. <laughs> I didn't stop for shit. And guess what? There was a cop sitting right there waiting for people to <laughs> at the stop sign. And I turned and like he probably looked at me and I just had this deer in the headlights look like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops, and sorry. He, he, he puts his finger out. And so I stop. And so then I see his hand wave me back and I have to put my car in reverse and I back up. And he's like, hey, listen, that's a four way stop sign. <laughs> if I see that vehicle do that again, he goes, you're getting three points. <laughs> like, oh, yes sir thank you sir i appreciate the break thank you yes, sir. oh yes sir you know like and he let me go so like there are good cops but it's like the system itself is just designed into this quagmire that's like if cops don't do their job they're safe if they use excessive force they're safe and it's just but it's fucked up we have in california now but don't worry Gender neutral toy aisles. That's law, baby. Thank God. I'll be able to sleep so much easier at night. I will. I will too. Here you go, little. I, well, I got to give. I gotta, here you go, little Ricky. Pick whatever toy you'd like. Like, I remember playing with Barbies when I was a kid. I thought they were cool as Dude, fuck. They had all the what, clothes. They had the cool cars. They had the house. I can go in the little house and rearrange the furniture and set the whole place up how I wanted it. That was That was my whole point about. I think toys are already fundamentally gender neutral. They're, yeah, they're my to G.I. Joes didn't have dicks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, neither did my action figures. But yeah, and like there, there was either. there was boys and girls all over the all over the block. Like we boys would play with the girls, we'd we'd play with the Barbies, they'd play with the G.I. Joes. Like it was just yeah. you know, sometimes we'd play guns and the girls would play guns with us. Sometimes we'd play house and we'd play house. Like it's like Oh, but that's actually that. I'm sorry, that actually perpetuates the patriarchy if we play house. So we, that's actually a really bad example. <laughs> you misogynist piece of shit. <laughs> but it's like, they're, they're, toys are already gender neutral. Knock it off. 
Knock yeah, it off. it's just how about we stop wasting our money on pandering and get some real legislation done? Agreed. Even though we're on the other side of the country, so it doesn't even matter what happens in California, and like it doesn't affect us in any way, shape, or form. I mean, it doesn't. It but doesn't. You know what it's, does? It's, it's, it's if a they figure out a way to get these fucking boats out of the water. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's hurting my business. How about uh? How about their fire? How about their fucking fires that are so bad that uh, we sometimes our sun over here looks different. Have yeah. you ever noticed that? Yeah. Oh yeah, it gets the hazy A's. over here in the Great Lakes. Yeah. Oh man, we're long in the tooth, Corey. We're at an hour and a half. It's yep. been real. It's been tell fun, the people where they can find us again. But it hasn't been real fun. It's true. Yeah, we uh, we went on a real tangent there about half hour just bullshitting about fucking COVID. <laughs> <laughs> got us nixed off facebook real quick <laughs> yeah it um, looks that can, way you can find us at libservative pod on instagram and at libservative pod on twitter we are at uh we're on libservative just look up libservative we're on facebook uh we are on libservative podcast at wordpress.com that's where our transcripts are you can find our podcast on any of the major platforms you listen to um go ahead and tell a friend you know, share it with someone. Let them know that something that you're interested in, and if they they're interested in the same type of stuff, they might come and sneak a peek at what we're doing. Uh, we new episodes every week. We are Facebook living. Our podcast drop every Thursday. Uh, stay frosty out there, I guess. And until next time, he's been Corey Walsh, and he has been Dan Motherfucking Griffin. And this has been Libservative, and we are out of here.